Welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. Well, welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast. Thank you for joining me again. I'm your host, Aiden Mari, of course. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this podcast today. If you didn't hear last week's episode, I talked with Colton Zenner, my old college roommate who's now a worship pastor. And we just had a conversation about what is worship? What is worship in Christianity? Um, is worship just for Christians or do other people worship other things? Um, what does worship look like? What are some things we're getting right? And maybe what are some things that we should consider moving forward as the church? So if you haven't listened to that, please give it a listen. Um, I think it was really beneficial and I'm super thankful that Colton was willing to sit down and do that with me. But we have a podcast today. So, uh, without further ado, let's move on into that. And so, uh, we have this thing in our youth group called, um, uh, leaders nights where, uh, leaders in our youth community who are youth and leaders who are youth leaders meet up. And what we do there is um, it's a little bit more for focused where there isn't as much hangout time or games. It's, it's just reading scripture, praying, and um, encouraging each other to trust and follow Jesus. And so we met last night, and it was really awesome. And, and we read from this passage in Hebrews 10, and it just really hit me. Uh, the Bible says that God's word is, is alive, and I 100% agree that so often, just in just random coincidences, um, that God gives me exactly what I need to hear. And so this passage this week just really hit home for me, uh, really hit me last night. I absolutely loved it, and I, and I felt God's presence through it. So I just wanted to share that um, this week with you guys, and so... Yeah, let's just jump right into Hebrews chapter 10. And so we're starting at verse 19. And so it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And so you might be wondering, what the heck, what does that mean? What are we talking about? What's the curtain? What's the most holy place? And so back in Moses' day, God told Moses, hey, build a temple. And it was like a tent that they kind of carried around in the wilderness with them. And one of the areas in this tent was called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, that's where God's presence dwelt. That is where the Holy Spirit was um, in the temple. And so what happened was there was a dividing curtain. And one time a year, one guy who was the high priest would go in and he would kind of do a sacrifice there. He would do a ritual. And he could only do this once in his life, and then they would replace him next year. And so, in the Holy of Holies, it's a divided curtain between the people of God and the presence of God. And only once, one time a year, can someone enter into the Holy of Holies. And so, this passage just kind of hits me. Because what it's saying is that because of Jesus, because of his blood, because of his death, we are now open into this life-giving way into the most holy place. We can now pass through the curtain. And I think that's just absolutely huge 
because it's so easy to neglect what Jesus has done. It's so easy to become so used to it and desensitized to it that you don't really think about what a big deal Jesus' death actually is. For thousands of years, people didn't get to be in the presence of God. People didn't have this kind of personal relationship with God. It was more distant. Um, and because of what Jesus did, because God decided to send his own son to die because he wanted to be with his people so badly, now we can enter into God's presence and, and, and God's Holy Spirit when we become Christians and we give our lives to him enters into us. And it's absolutely beautiful, but it's incredibly easy to forget that. It's incredibly easy uh, to forget that Jesus opened God's presence to all of us. And it's so easy to take it for granted. Often when, when people become Christians, they're on fire, they're passionate, and slowly they, they just kind of like get more complacent usually. And eventually maybe sin starts to come back. Maybe uh, they just aren't spending as much time with him as they were. And I think that that's, that's interesting. And I think that that often happens. And so it just brings us to this, this question of like, are we living like God's actually in us? Are we living like the Holy Spirit has made his home in our hearts? Are we living with this new life-giving uh, life that Jesus has given us, this new way? Or are we kind of living living like how things used to be where God's presence is, is, is distant and far and so uh, we allow sin into our lives. We don't really focus on spending time with him. Uh, we don't pray to him. We don't have conversation with him because God dwells in us so so we should live holy set apart lives where we don't let sin enter the temple we don't let sin enter into our lives we fight it and we realize that the holy spirit's in us and he gives us strength to fight it that, that we never have to give into it and we also realize that god's word is alive and it's his word and we want to hear it because we have a personal god who has something personal to say to us and so we enter his word to try and hear what he has to say to us. And on top of that, we also pray, we talk to him about what's going on in our lives because he's, he cares, he's a father, he wants to hear what's on our hearts, what his children are going through. He wants you to talk to him about it, he wants you to have a relationship with him. But all too often, I find that we live like the Holy Spirit's not in us, that he's distant, he's far away, and we don't live like a set-apart people. We don't live like holy people who have the presence of a holy God living inside of them. But the passage doesn't end there. Uh, verse 21, it says, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. This might seem a little weird, uh, sprinkling of blood on you and a washing of water. You might be like, what is this? This is weird. Um, but this is another thing that happened in the temple back in Moses' day, is, is a high priest would slaughter a lamb, and he would take the blood of that lamb in a cup, and he would sprinkle it around the temple. And what he would do is he would be cleansing the temple, um, be cleansing it of Israel's sin and making it new again. And what this passage is saying is Jesus is the sacrifice lamb and Jesus is also the high priest taking his blood 
and sprinkling it in his temple, making it clear of sin, making it clear of guilt. And because we're the temple, we're the ones being sprinkled with Jesus' blood, uh, we're being sprinkled with it. And because of that, we don't need to feel guilt anymore. We don't need to feel ashamed anymore. We don't need to let, let sin have a hold on us anymore. We are made new in Christ. And so, why do you still beat yourself up over sin? Why do you still beat yourself up over mistakes of the past when Jesus is going, look, I've died for you. I've given myself for you. I've cleansed this temple. You don't need to feel guilt anymore. You don't need to feel ashamed. Um, our modern Bible translations transfer Satan's name as Satan. Um, but often, uh, in the original language, what it's actually saying is the accuser. So he's almost like a lawyer bringing us to court against God, going, look, uh, look at all this sin in your life. Don't you feel terrible? You don't deserve the presence of God. You don't deserve him. He probably doesn't love you. He's accusing you of all these things. And what Jesus is going is, is no, uh, this isn't true. Uh, he's almost our lawyer who's defending us going, no, I've, I've cleansed you. It's not what you've done. It's what I've already done on the cross. There's nothing you can do uh, to bring this, this forgiveness, this guilt cleansing. I've done it all. I have sacrificed myself and I have sprinkled the temple with my blood, making it holy. Um, Satan has no say at as to how you should be feeling or what you should be feeling. And he has no right coming in here making you feel this way. He has no right in my temple. Or do you still beat yourself up? Because Jesus is calling you to go, look, realize what I've done for you. Fully realize it. Stop living like you need to feel guilty about something and realize that I've already forgiven it. It's paid for. But the passage doesn't end there. It continues. It says in verse 23, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This might seem like a like a really weird transition where now he's talking about church and 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 uh, being one in Christ and motivating each other. And you're like, what does this have to do with uh, us being the temple and Christ's blood cleaning us of our guilt? Um, but what he's saying is, look, like this this temple isn't about you. I didn't save you just for you. I saved you because I love you, and I saved you because I have a plan to bring you bring you guys together into unity and what he's saying is look uh, you are a set apart people um, you have the holy spirit in you and you've been cleansed but you you can't do this on your own this new life this new life i've given you can't be done on your own the bible talks about how a uh, three-string cord is not easily broken and often we use that in marriage ceremonies to mean God, uh, husband and wife, but it also could mean um, God, you, and others, the rest of the church. And, and, and if you start to lose one of those cords, if you start to lose 
people and, and you don't go to church, you don't have a small group um, of people who are building into you and who, who you're building into, um, you've chosen to kind of neglect those things, neglect the rest of the church body, neglect the rest of the temple, um, you're not going to be as strong. And slowly what usually happens is you start to slip from God and then you're just kind of left by yourself, incredibly weak and vulnerable. Uh, because if no one's pushing you, if no one's challenging you or encouraging you to keep following Jesus, to keep doing what you already know you should do, uh, oftentimes we'll just get lazy and laid back and we'll let our guard down and we'll let the enemy make camp in our hearts and we'll eventually let sin kind of corrupt and control our lives and eventually we'll fall away. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, look, you might not always like church, you might not always like the people in church, you might not always get the point, but I'm telling you it's incredibly important that, that you make time for this, that you set apart time for this, that you show up for this. It's incredibly important that you don't neglect this, because this is one of the most important parts of your Christian walk, and you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You're going to think you can, you're going to be very confident, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen on your own. I didn't make it to be on your own. Um... I didn't, bring, I didn't send my Holy Spirit just into you. I sent it into a bunch of other people. And you're way more effective if you choose and learn to work together and to encourage one another and to help one another instead of be continually fighting and avoiding each other. And so Jesus is calling us to, to not neglect, not neglect each other, not give up on each other. He's calling us to get messy in each other's lives um, and with that to be open to each other um, to not close ourselves off from from what each of us can offer because the Holy Spirit's given us each different gifts and so if you're by yourself you're missing out on so many other gifts that God has um, that God has given people to help assist you and encourage you and with that you moving yourself away leaves that community not having what God has given you and what special gifts God has given you and what special perspectives God has given you. And so with all of that, all of that massive passage, um, I kind of have three questions to take away. One, are you living in God's presence? Are you living like you are the temple of God? Are you living set apart and holy? Are you spending time with him? Are you having that relationship with him? Are you kind of living like the old way where he's distant and far off and there's a division between you? Are you fully realizing what it means to have God living in you? Are you keeping the temple holy and pure? Are you letting sin enter it? Are you spending time hearing from him and talking, talking to him as well? Or are you really not having that relationship with God? Secondly, are you beating yourself up over past mistakes? So do you believe Jesus when he says that he's cleansed the temple and that you don't need to feel guilty anymore because of what he's done? Or are you letting Satan uh, accuse you and, and make you feel bad about things that are already forgiven, sins that are already in your past that are dealt with, that are paid for? When Jesus died, he died for your, your sins, your past, your present, and the future ones you're going to commit. Are, are, are you living like you're forgiven? Are you living like you're still being condemned? Thirdly, 
Are you helping each other trust and follow Jesus? Are you investing yourself in a community of believers in a church, uh, attending, serving, and and also gathering yourself around a small community who can push you to better follow Jesus and who you can help push to better follow Jesus? Or are you are you skipping out? Are you are you are you not really showing up? Are you not really getting involved in others' lives? Are you just kind of showing up and then leaving? Or or are you investing yourself into people? Are you letting people invest themselves into you? With that, I, I want to thank you again for listening. I want to thank you for taking time on your day to listen to me. It's incredibly humbling to see how much the podcast just continues to grow and continues to reach people. I can't be... Um, I can't say enough how thankful I am for you guys. It is absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I will do my best to continue to produce content. Um, I will, and I will do my best to, to line up more interviews. Uh, we already have a couple other ones lined up and I'll do my best to, to bring something, um, hopefully value to you guys. And I pray that God continues to use this in your life. And I pray he continues to use it in mine because I absolutely love being able to do this. Um, So I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you guys next week.